0: Welcome to this episode of The Making of an Exception. If this is your first time tuning in, this podcast is for anyone who's looking to be inspired to gain new perspective on life or is aspiring to live out their faith in whatever field you find yourself in. Each week, we'll be interviewing influencers and creatives who are exceptions to the rule. The fact that they've gone through what they've gone through, walked through the challenges and pain that they have, and have been gifted the way they've been gifted is what makes them an exception. Our goal is that you'd hear this story today, and you'd be inspired and challenged to be an exception in the making. If this podcast has impacted your life, you can help support by going to our website, exceptionpodcast.co and clicking the Patreon link or by finding it in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support and thanks for listening. Hey everybody! Thanks for listening to the Making of an Exception podcast. My name is Kirk Graham, and today we have got a special guest. Her name is Krista Carroll, and she is the CEO and co-founder mm-hmm. of Latitude Co. Right? Is it or just yeah. Latitude? Well, our- Website is lat.co. Lat.co, and uh, which is a creative agency uh, that does amazing things, but also uh, we'll get all into it. But they do amazing things uh, through their nonprofit and works all around the world as well. Uh, and so thanks for being here, Krista. Thanks for having me. We're so glad that you're here. We had met uh, a a few years ago, it had two or three years ago at a prayer breakfast here in Minnesota. And, uh, Bill Svoboda was the guy running this thing and put us on a panel together. And so when you were answering the questions at the prayer breakfast, you said so many things that I was like, man, she is amazing. Her husband's amazing. Uh, and I think he was in the front row, like cheering you on. Uh, (laughs) but the way you guys have built a company, the way you've built your marriage Mm -hmm. and your family, uh, everything, I was like, man, they are doing it. And it was so inspirational. Oh, right back so, at you. Uh, three years later, I'm glad to be able to meet again wow. and that you're here. Uh, but tell us about Latitude and what mm-hmm. that is, the projects that you work on, and kind of how long it's been around as well.
1: Yeah. So we founded Latitude back in 2009. So we're going to have our 10-year anniversary this November. Yep. Um, but we're a creative agency specializing in brand design and experience design. Um, we work with a lot of brands and bring them to life at retail. Um, For example, like Adidas is one of our top clients and we love bringing them to life and retailers as well as like crazy experiential stuff around the country as they're launching new shoes. Um, And then we do great work for clients, which earns us the privilege of being able to do work in the world, which is why we started our company. Um, 50% of our profits go to nonprofit partners around the globe who are doing work to empower women and children primarily uh, living in extreme poverty. We want to empower them to be able to use their God-given gifts to, yeah. uh, empower, you know, to change their communities, change their lives um, and provide for their kids. So
0: That is the craziest. Everything that you just said is the craziest thing. You said that 50% of your profits go all around the world to help people. Um, and nobody, like I've never, like you might have a list of a few companies that do that. I don't know if you do, but I've never heard that ever. Churches don't do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you've built a for-profit company and you give 50% away. Um, And we'll, let's talk about that in a second. I have questions. What is, what I, I know what brand design is. What's Mm -hmm. experience design?
1: Yeah. So um, as, as retail, the landscape of retail is changing, um, it's really important to connect the consumer to the brand through experiences. So. Um, and it's outside of just the retail space, but, um, we get the privilege of working in the retail space a lot. So it's coming into a retailer and creating an experience that, um, is meaningful for the consumers that yep. um, allows them to connect with a brand on a deeper level. So, um, for instance, sometimes we're doing influencer parties at boutique sneaker shops or.
0: I didn't get the invites to. Uh, is yeah. there like a list that I yeah. I missed? <laughs> <Shoot>. uh, <laughs> check. Yeah, you said influencers, right? Yeah, exactly. Thought, never mind. Yeah. Talk about it later. No, so you have influencer parties. Yeah, what, like what do they do? Yeah,
1: we'll design like an influencer party a photo booth and um, an experience. Um, Build out the whole, um, you know, the whole landscape of it, as well as the party or experience. Yep. Some, you know, we did something for the NFL last or the NHL, excuse me. Got it. Um, for Adidas to come to life in the hockey stadiums, you know, just
0: so it's like, like I guess the best example that I have in my mind is when the Super Bowl was in Minneapolis mm-hmm. last year. They had all these different like Verizon, yep. was throwing parties yep. and different experiences, and there's like football experiences, yep. but. Uh, so it's like that. You Very design much. those experiences yep. uh, for all different types of events. Absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Also, you said Adidas is one of your main clients. Yeah. And as you said it, I was like, man, Adidas, I feel like, has made, like, a massive comeback. Not not that they were struggling, I don't think, but I feel like in culture and what people, are, like, young people are wearing, mm-hmm. like, Nike felt like it was on top, but Adidas is like coming back. Are you guys a part of yeah, like those are, conversations? And and have you helped, obviously, make that happen?
1: I'd like to say so. My yeah, team, yeah. you know, they're yeah, yeah. wickedly talented. But um, the Originals Fashion Channel has really, sneakers have just become something outside of athletic wear. And yeah. so um, Adidas Originals have just killed it in the last few years. And we've had a lot of fun working with them um, on bringing Do this. Do they with. give
0: you the credit for it?
1: Oh no! I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the teams we work with do. We certainly high five the crap out of it. But yeah, yeah. it's awesome. (laughs) It's a lot of fun.
0: Also, something that I learned about uh, your company, the culture of it, is that if if you're if you're working at Latitude and you're working on an Adidas project or a Puma project or um, I don't know who else who else you work for, but you have to wear you have to wear the shoes that the project that you're working on, and they like ripping that.
1: Yeah. Oh, we love it. Like our teams super passionate about the clients that we get to um, work for. So yeah, you're going to see sneakers all over the place and our teams are going to be competitive with each other about what sneakers they're sporting. And yeah, yeah. it's a ton of fun.
0: It's awesome. There's a, there's a guy that I know that works at Target and he works for like the household like cleaning section of Target. And that would just be the worst to have to rip right <laughs> <Like>,
1: it's <laughs> like it's
0: just so cool that you guys work with sneakers and with shoes uh, and fun. all that. Also, we, what kind of shoes are you wearing? Oh,
1: well, I'm wearing sorels right now Where, right. Do you, yeah, are they have,
0: are they a client?
1: um we've we've done a little bit of work with them nice. yeah, but it was fun. We had a Google project recently, and that gave my husband the excuse to go and get. Google homes for all of the rooms in our home too, you know, any excuse yeah. to, to sport the brand. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
0: And your husband is uh, the president of the company. Yes. So you guys started it together. When did you okay. start Latitude?
1: Um, so in November, 2009, um, do you want the short or the long?
0: I mean, we got all day. All right. So all day, whatever you <laughs> yeah, want to do. Yeah. yeah, I
1: know. So in November, 2009, um, Jeremy and I were living in New York city with um, our two kids at the time. Yep. Um, Are you success. from there? No, we. But we had lived out there for about five years. We're okay. from Minneapolis. Yep. Um, but he was out there selling commercial print and working with retailers and luxury liquor brands and um, real estate companies and really chasing success and doing yep. a great job in the process. But ending up emptier and emptier. Yeah. Um, I was home with our kids at the time, but he was working out of our apartment, so I was getting to know the business just because I don't like to sit still. And yep. um, I loved you know, doing what I could to support him. Yep. And how many kids did you have at the time? He had two. Two kids. Mm -hmm. And so he was chasing hard. I was feeling God calling us in a different direction. Um, I'm praying hard about what that looked like. And he hit a wall in August and just had sold the biggest deal he'd ever sold and felt like he should be having that mountaintop moment. Yeah. And instead was left like empty. Um, so we called our favorite nonprofit, um, Healing Haiti, which was yep. founded by his aunt and uncle, and he just said, "Jeff, no. yeah, yeah." He said, that's "Jeff crazy. and Alan, can I can I go to Haiti with you? I feel like God's calling me out of my comfort like I gotta zone. I got to get out of this. Yeah, yeah. like I'm actually kind of disgusted with what what's going on here, and um, I just need to see something different." So, yeah. um, he was on a plane in November of two thousand nine, and that's where he met like kids living in extreme poverty, and yeah, yeah. um. And as he was sitting in City Soleil, like face to face with these kids who don't have access to clean water or yeah. education, and a lot of who are struggling with medical conditions that'll never get attention, he just felt like all he had learned in his life, like what you do for the least of me, you know, yeah, least yeah. of these. And when I was hungry, did you give me food? When I was thirsty, yeah, yeah. did you? And had felt like he had wasted 30 years of his life serving himself. His whole life. Yeah. Right. I mean, we we're. 30, 31 years old. And, um, and so he came back after three days in Haiti and was convicted that we needed to work as hard for those kiddos as we do for our own. That's where the 50% model was born literally, it wasn't like a crazy business plan. It was just this gut feeling that we were supposed to work as hard for them. And so you split the pie, right? Equally. And um, was
0: that like a moment? Like, was do you remember the? Was that at a like kitchen table and you guys are talking about it? Like, how did you guys make the decision? Because you hadn't even started latitude
1: yet. No, but
0: but from there you were like, we're gonna live this yeah. way.
1: Yeah. So he came home and he was like, Hey, Krista, this is what we're supposed to do, and and I was like super excited because I'd been praying that God yeah. would reveal Himself really in an obvious way to Jeremy too because I'd felt this yep. discontent and um and so we were. I said, you know, honey, let's maybe pray about it for a week. We have two kids. We had just bought our condo at the the week before the market crash in '08. So our no. condo, our tiny condo in New York, um, wasn't worth what we had paid for it. Yeah, we had tried to sell it like six months prior, not even a showing. It was just not the time to be selling, <laughs> yeah, selling. Yeah. And so I said, let's pray about it. We got two mouths to feed. Let's take a week. Well, after the week, God had continued to like convict him and myself. And so we sat at the kitchen table and we decided what's our worst case scenario, yep. which is super freeing. Yep. For those of you who are like thinking about taking a leap of faith or yep. changing life big time, like it's super freeing to just say, what's worst case scenario? Like, like What's the
0: worst thing that yeah. could happen?
1: And for me, um, for us, I called my parents and said, hey, you know, those two little grandkids that you love so much that are a thousand miles away, how would you like to have them closer? <laughs> Might sound a little bit manipulative of me, but yeah, totally. Um, no, but luckily, my mom and dad were like, Hey, we'd love to have you. We've got a basement. Like, you're welcome to live here if, if that's what it takes. Yeah. Um, so, our worst case scenario was my parents' basement. Our kids weren't going to starve and like, we we're going to be together, right? Yep. So, we sat at the kitchen table and said, Let's put our condo on the market. If it doesn't sell, we foreclose. Yeah. Um, which, like, in my right mind, like, would have been something I would have never had as an option, yeah, but I knew sounds, that. Yeah, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like crazy, why, right? Yeah, like, like,
0: how is this even what we're talking about? Because he had, like, he had the job. It's not like, like, you guys were making money. Yeah. So you guys are choosing. We're gonna get, We're gonna start giving fifty percent away.
1: Yeah, and we just like so we're looking at foreclosure. Which for me, like, I'd never paid a bill late in my life. I'm like yeah. a real follower, right? But for me, it was like a small price to pay to to meet a need of someone who has nothing. Right. Yep. So, um, luckily I just felt really convicted about it. Um,
0: did you, had you ever been to Haiti? I like, hadn't. So how did you, as, as a wife and a mother of two,
1: mm-hmm.
0: go, how do you go on the journey with your husband when he goes there, sees it, experiences it? Cause as a pastor, I've been on global teams, uh, without my wife and you come home, and it's kind. Of, and there's the struggle of, like, man, I, my whole world's upside down. Yeah. But she didn't go—she didn't see the same faces. Mm-hmm. She didn't sleep in a tent with yeah. no air—you know, like, she didn't have the same experience. And so how did he kind of bring you on that journey? Or for you, how did you know, like, this is what God's doing?
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I look back, and I think there's a variety of things that, like, God put in place to allow me to feel on board, even though I hadn't been in the field. Um, yep. There's this, an album by Sarah Groves, and um, I had been listening to it on repeat, like, weirdly for, like, six months. Um, and she's she's big on justice, social justice, yeah. and and following God's call. And um, there's a song that is um, a really beautiful song that talks about, like, I saw what I saw, and I couldn't forget it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can sing it if you want. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for some, like, reason... I had listened to that song and like felt really convicted by the the words that she had about like seeing things in this world, seeing need in yep. this world and not yep. being able to look away or like we just couldn't not do something. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so luckily I just felt it on my heart. And honestly, when Jeremy came back, it was like, oh, thank God, like he gets it and he's as convicted. So
0: you were kind of going on a personal journey and it was almost like a release when he came back and was like, we need to do this.
1: Yeah. Like we were just becoming uglier versions of ourselves really. Like, um, we were chasing all the wrong things. Like we were keeping our faith in a box on the weekends or at prayer time with our kids at night. And, um, but our faith wasn't reflected in what we were doing every day. Like our faith wasn't something that was, um, inconvenient. Like our faith was whatever worked for us, you know, yes, we believed in a Jesus, we believed in, um, a Lord, but he wasn't in the driver's seat of our lives. Like yeah. we were giving out of our excess, not out of sacrifice. Um, so I think like we just needed to get really uncomfortable for God to lead. And, um, I was just really grateful that Jeremy was ready to get uncomfortable.
0: Yes. Yeah, everything I have a million questions and we're not even to how you started latitude. <laughs> but how like so so backtrack further before we move forward, backtrack further how how did you get to the point where y- you're even having conversations with God about that? Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: h- how did you get like you, and you could talk about your family and your upbringing yeah. and what you've been a part of because nobody's out there, even even Christians, and not nobody, but because obviously you have lived it. But nobody's out there trying to f- go, man, my faith doesn't feel genuine, and we're becoming ugly, f- uglier versions of ourselves, and talking with the Lord about it, and we need to get more uncomfortable, and you know, it's just crazy to actually do it, mm-hmm. and so you're on this personal journey how did you get to the to where you were there yeah,
1: yeah so um you know i was raised in a a really um middle class family like we never had more than we needed but we always had enough yep um but my parents were my mom's a teacher my dad worked for the state and um they were super fiscally conservative except for gener- generosity. Like, they yes. were over-the-top generous with people.
0: How did you know that?
1: Um, and they were always doing it, like, on the sly. But, like, for example, like, there'd be my brother played hockey, and there was a single mom and her son, you know, struggling to to pay for his hockey, so they would anonymously, yeah. like, pay for his season without him ever knowing. Um, but they would share things like that with us kids to understand, yeah. like, what's important. Like, yeah. hey... Um, this is something we're blessed to be in the position to be able to afford to do. And yep. so we're going to do it. They were always super quiet about it and never like, you know, no one ever knew what they were doing, but us kids were watching. Yeah. And as
0: a kid, did you ever get bummed out that you didn't have more than you needed? Like there's things that you wanted or things that you would want to do that other families are doing, but you know, that your parents are giving it to yeah. other causes. You
1: know like, what? Weirdly? No. And yeah. I think part of that is, um, Because my parents never modeled comparison. Yeah. They never modeled jealousy. They never modeled um, keeping up with the Joneses. They just didn't. Like they, and so I'm so grateful. I think about that a lot now because um, I was just super, a super content kid and I want that for my kids. But I don't know where that came from, except for the fact that my parents never modeled jealousy and yep. never modeled comparison, which is the stealer of all joy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I guess maybe when I was like 20, I wished that my, you know, shoes at camp were uh, yeah. Tevas instead of the Target brand. You know, I mean, once oh, yeah. I became an adult, I started to <laughs> notice things like that. I mean, that's a really dumb example. But yeah, as I reached 20 years old, I was thinking, oh, man, but. It's I feel the same way. Me.
0: I I ran track the first year it was offered. I think it was like sixth or seventh grade, and I was like, I'm gonna be in track. And uh, we went to uh, pay less shoes, and we got we we got. Shoes that have, didn't have cleats on the bottom, yeah. like nothing, like but they were like running shoes, you know, yeah. from Payless. Like that's, and I was so embarrassed, like uh, that. I was the I had the worst shoes, and then that's <laughs> even worse. My first track meet ever. And there's more stories about this, but <laughs> my, my first track meet ever. Uh, it was the hundred meter dash or the hundred yard dash, and my dad and sister were in the stands and it, like all proud and i pulled my groin during the t- oh, and i fell and i was down and um i don't i don't think i even crossed the finish line oh. my dad came out of the stands and we just went home and so it's probably better that he didn't buy so, so cleats. <laughs> maybe they so, would anyways. have saved you from <laughs> but I grew up the same way there's moments where it's like I wish we could be um, but I grew up a pastor's kid mm-hmm. and and my favorite thing ever was when missionaries would come to the church and we would go out to lunch after mm-hmm. because it's the only time we ever went out to eat like Olive Garden or Red Lobster I'd yeah. be so excited not just about that but hearing the stories and then knowing my parents are being generous in regards to missions work like I always knew that um, and so I feel a similarity in that, like growing up, it was, it was like a sense of honor. Like I, I loved that about our family, Mm -hmm, but there's plenty of times where I was like, man, I wish I could get real cleats (laughs) like everybody else. (laughs) Uh, Like even in hockey, like hockey, (laughs) we didn't have breezers like early on. Like we didn't have breezers or shoulder pads because my my dad's like, my dad's like, you're not checking yet. So (laughs) you don't have to, you're not like hitting people yet. You're like, you're five years old. You don't need them. Everybody else has breezers. Everybody, but it's all good. Uh, I don't know what you were talking about before that, but.
1: Yeah, so I guess my family, you know, set the stage for generosity and then. W-
0: what was what was the f- what was was the faith like? Because there's a bunch of people out there that may be generous, but they aren't living for the Lord. Yeah. Were, were you raised in the church, faithful yeah. family? I
1: was actually raised Catholic. Jeremy yep. was too. Um, went to church every Sunday. Um, youth group was actually like a huge deal for me.
0: Like Catholic youth group? Yep, yep. I've never even heard of I a know. Catholic youth group. I had an
1: awesome youth minister, Teresa Russo, and she's yeah. still a dear friend of ours. No um, way. But yeah. and That's awesome. And honestly, it saved me. Like, I did, like, middle school and high school were horrible. Like, kids are mean. I did mm-hmm. not fit in, um, probably because I didn't have the name brand stuff, but didn't realize that was why. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I didn't fit in, and, um, you know, there was always that yearning, but I met kids outside of my school through youth group. Actually, one of them being Jeremy. I met him when we were 12. We were best friends. Yeah. But just having like my worldview opened up a little bit outside of like my own school and this own, like, you know, these little cliques was a blessing. So God, like, in his goodness, um, allowed that to be a part of my life. And that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, I always knew that I wanted to make a difference. And yeah. I went into education to do so, so I taught for six years yep. before we moved to new york and I loved I loved building community, helping kids yep. you know figure out their giftedness and develop it and um you know create a culture of kindness and yep and so as we were you know as we were in New York with our own little kids, like I loved being a mom, I loved it um but I did know that our resources. That God was blessing us with were being consumed on us, yeah, and that bothered me, yeah, and um. And it's interesting now, like Luke twelve forty eight: "To whom much is given, much is expected." Is, yep. is is has been sort of our marching verse since yeah that experience in Haiti for Jeremy, but um, I think God was knocking on my heart about it yeah. long before.
0: And that that's such a like for me, like even people listening. A lot of people that are listening would go, Well, I'm not I'm not the person that has much. Like, but compared to somebody, they have much.
1: Yeah, so much So f-
0: it was there a point in like maybe in Jeremy's career or his success, like when he's out crushing it and your mom, like now we have much? Like was there a t- a time of like, Whoa, we really have money, we should do something about it? Or was it always this sense of like the way we're living our life, like whether it was when yeah early on to the biggest deal he had ever done, like was there a point of like now we have much,
1: you know what's interesting, um when we were living in New York, we probably had less compared to our peers than we ever have, um I mean, the people that we were hanging out with just like ha- had a lot of money, I mean Everything, to live yeah. in New York, you have to and and we were still struggling. Like we were living paycheck to paycheck, even though we were making great money, like New York, you bleed money. Yeah. Um, you sneeze and you're like a hundred dollars poor. Um, so actually like in the comparison game, we had less than we'd probably ever had. Yep. But at the same time, I think our worldview had increased so much that you, that you realize like you're not in Brooklyn park, Minnesota anymore. And you, you realize like the world is made up of a whole lot of diversity Um, and there are people who are struggling to survive, you know, and in our neighborhood in New York, like not our friends, but you know, you get to know people on, you get to know even the homeless people, like it's the same ones on the same corners. There's Pam in front of city market there, you know, and you realize like, holy cow, you know, one of my friends, Barbara Lupien says, We've won the lottery in life by just the longitude and latitude in which we were born. Yeah. Like just because we were born here in the United States where we have infrastructure yep. and clean water and, a, and an economy, like we have won the lottery. So what do we do with totally. that? Yeah. Um. So luckily, like that, my eyes were just being opened to like the world's needs and in our yep. in our world now, like with the Internet and interconnectivity, like we can't be ignorant about that anymore. Yeah. Like.
0: No, Totally. You know? Totally. I'm with you. So that's all the foundation of how you decided w- we're going to live, we're going to give away 50%. And then you're about to start Latitude. Did you start it while, while you were in New York? Because now you have yeah. you have offices still in New York, yep. Minneapolis, and then Portland. Portland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah so um, so we were sitting at the kitchen table and decided uh, I was at the this worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And so Jeremy and I just decided this is what we're going to do. And we're sitting there and feeling like feeling a tremendous amount of peace. Yep. Um, that didn't really make sense with what we were doing, but yeah, that's, totally. You, that's where you know, like you're in God's will, right? And all of a sudden, his email dinged, and yep. I was so annoyed with him that he was looking at his email. I'm like, dude, we just gave our lives over to the Lord. Like, can we sit yeah, in it for like relax. a moment? Yeah. And he was like, Oh my gosh, Krista, this man, our neighbor downstairs, who I had never spoken to, like maybe ran into him once on an elevator. Yep had emailed Jeremy and said, hey, would you ever be interested in selling your apartment? Because we'd really like to expand ours. Like literally within two minutes of no. making this choice, God was like, hey, guess what? And you'd
0: already tried to sell it with no showing. We had tried yeah. to sell it
1: six months prior, like not one showing. Yeah. And so we were like, yeah, actually, here's what we'd need. And we just told them what we'd paid for, it, what we'd need to walk away to like. yep. And he was like, I could have escrow in your account on Monday. Like we we want to. Like we'll do it. Yeah, and so we ended up staying there and renting it back from him for five months while he had yep. architects working on it and whatever. And we rented it back for a quarter of what our mortgage was. Like no. It, I know, it's just crazy. And um, so we were able to um, start in New York yep. and start to transition Jeremy's client base and just start to get people to understand what we were doing. Yep. And our neighbor, actually, Joey Perry, she's um, the sweetest, Lady in the world, she's um, our age and was on a similar journey, um, had gone on that first trip with Jeremy to Haiti and was yeah. like, I'm all in. So we had time to train her in. She yep. wasn't in that industry. Um, so that wow. six months, five, six months allowed us to train her in, you know, transition. to she still to work client. with you? Yeah, she's- Yeah, yeah no way. Yeah. yeah. Now in she New listened. York. She actually just moved back to Minnesota about a year ago. No way. Or not back to Minnesota, but yeah, to but Minnesota. Moved here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, crazy. Yeah, so we started in New York, then moved back to Minnesota. Did move into my parents' basement for a while. No um, way. Yeah, and and yeah, that was
0: gave it all up. What does latitude mean? Why did you uh, call your company that?
1: Yeah, so we actually started out as Print for Change, Print Number Four Change. I know it's brilliant. That was <laughs> no. before we were experts in brand design. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, about three years in we decided that we were, well, first of all, we were doing way more than print. And so it wasn't applicable anymore. And, um, went through a naming exercise and a brand design exercise and, um, Latitude really spoke to us because what we're trying to do is connect people here to connect to other places, right? So connect clients here who have business needs that we can meet. And then it earns us the privilege of connecting with people around the world. And so Latitude... Just made so sense. the
0: mission side of it, the nonprofit side of it is is why you titled it the yeah. way you did. Yeah. Or the titled. connector,
1: right? Yeah, named it, yeah, yeah, named it.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Um so w- at what point did you become CEO? So you're a mom and now you have four kids. Uh what at what point did you become CEO running this company?
1: Yeah. Um so at the beginning it's interesting um I just thought I'd really be behind the scenes like Jeremy's vision. Um and Joey was amazing on the sales front and producing front. And I just thought I would do th- all the back end stuff, like yep. the finance, like any legal stuff, you know, yep. filing stuff. And then as we grew... Um,
0: and you were a teacher before I that. I was
1: a teacher before that. So but
0: you're you're up for the legal stuff and the finance. You art, know,
1: like- I Google's amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, no, so but I'm a lifelong learner. Like, yeah, I love yeah, I to learn. You. So yeah. I was up for the challenge. And um, so... Jeremy, um, from the beginning, he was like, hey, you're going to own this because I trust you more than I trust myself. You're always going to make the right choice. Yep. And so while I can come up with a million crazy ideas, if you own this, like I know it's always going to be in good hands. So, yep. um, so that's just sort of how it started, but never really thought it would It would be a full time. This. Yeah. And now that we're 100 people in three offices, like the CEO role looks a lot different than it did back in 2009. Yeah, yeah, um, And it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So now, you know, before now we have a finance department and an HR department yeah, yeah. and an operations manager, but for a long time I was playing all those roles. And now yep. um, I feel like we're kind of at that CEO role where I can be a part of the, you know, have some bandwidth for a whole lot of strategy and yep. vision casting with Jeremy. And
0: Init- so initially, like when it was small and he goes, Hey, you're going to be the CEO. Sometimes like when you start, like, entrepreneurs you start a company and like it's it's not really off the ground you go like a oh, ceo like i got this like but was there a point of like transition of like like i don't i don't know if i have this yeah. like it's kind of overwhelming i don't have the right training yeah um, or has it been kind of the whole time like stepping into bigger shoes than you feel like you're equipped the for? whole time do you feel that way now
1: uh yeah for sure i'd, I'd be an idiot to not like feel that way like <laughs> Or just a lack of self awareness. So,
0: but there's, so to your words, there are, I guarantee you, there's a bunch of idiot CEOs out there who think,
1: I got this. I got this. Yeah. 100%. No, you know, I laugh. Like, well, first of all, for years, the CEO title just felt like sort of a farce, too. Like, yeah, yeah, no one else was playing that role, but I certainly didn't feel like I was playing that role. Like, it just felt weird and uncomfortable. Like, why do we even have a CEO title? It's like too formal,
0: like, for our size. So it
1: was sort of like this imposter syndrome stuff that I was like, uh, I don't know, this is so weird.
0: Feels funny, yeah.
1: Um, It's been like drinking from the fire hose since day one, for sure. Um, And honestly, there's been a lot of conversations that I've had with God. Like, why in the world would you choose me for this. Um, yeah. But I think that's, that shows like his hand in all this. Like he chose a print sales guy. Yeah. Jeremy's never gone to college like, and a teacher to do this. And yeah. so it just shows like he's been there and providing like since the beginning. Yeah. Um, there's I mean, there's a lot of struggles with the role. Like I thought my version of my life was going to be being a stay at home mom, being there for yeah. every skin knee, like being that volunteer in the classroom and, you know, Getting the gold sticker mama award at the end of the day, I don't know what that looks like, but yeah, yeah. I certainly haven't been earning it, and so I really wrestled with that. Like, God, why, why are you calling me away from these kids I'm supposed to raise? Yeah. Especially in like the Christian world, like yeah. that's what we're taught good women do. Like, you raise your totally. kids, and you're there for every skin and knee, and especially if you have four of them. Yep. Um,
0: so how did you how did you get okay with the life you're living?
1: Yeah. Um, through a lot of prayer yeah and asking him to either give me peace or make it obvious that I'm not supposed to be in that role yeah and um and asking him too to like close doors you don't want me to go through like if yep. you don't want me at the helm of this place like close a door provide yep. someone else like um
0: and he has uh, yeah. and he
1: hasn't and then also like he has provided peace and he's provided for my kids in ways that um I never would have imagined like we've had two nannies in 10 years that are amazing Amazing. and my grand like my mom and dad moved two doors away from us my best friend moved in next door like he's provided this village of people who love on my kids and he's also like humbled me enough to know that like I'm not supposed to be there everything like and and it's not about me getting a gold sticker yeah like it's about him showing them his grace and his love at every turn. And yep. that doesn't necessarily need to be taught by me every moment. And um, so, yeah, it, I don't know. It's been a weird like wrestle with him, but he's given me peace about things and you just keep taking one step. Yeah,
0: ahead. Yeah, totally. And now your kids are thir- 13 down to five, five, yeah. which is awesome. And 13, what grade is that? Eighth seventh, grade? seventh. She's in seventh. Yeah. yeah. Seventh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was, we were talking before, that my wife and I have two kids and we just got out of the trenches Trenches. of like not sleeping at night, which is awesome. And it feels like an accomplishment to like get through. Oh, it is. But And then you were saying there's new trenches of teenage years and all that. But yeah, yeah, it seems like what you're doing, obviously the peace of God and he hasn't closed doors like, and your kids are doing well, Mm -hmm. that it is for sure what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like from what I can tell, and just knowing how God works, uh, not that I know how God works, but uh, the way that you set up your company and your lives in the first place of giving away fifty percent, God's blessing is on your mm-hmm. company. Like it's crazy. Do all like it's not a Christian company, um, but it's doing amazing things. And not everybody that works for you believes what you believe. Mm-hmm. And so, but does everybody kind of know? what you're about what's it like being christian owners of a business uh and and also taking the profits of the business and doing great things kingdom wise like and it's humanitarian but it's also Mm -hmm. like for the kingdom uh do they all do they know and obviously they probably Mm -hmm. all love it which is awesome but
1: yeah so it's interesting um we are never bashful about our faith story like and and actually i I interview almost every person that comes on staff. Um, and in that interview, I let them know, like, what drives me? Like, for us, this is yeah. an act of faith and um, something that we feel called to do. That's not a requirement of you yep. by any means. But what we do ask is that you're passionate about serving humanity. And yep. if that if those values align, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, if it weirds you out that we're going to make decisions based on faith and not always what's best in business or the right place for you yeah then like i just want to be upfront about it now so you can opt out you know yeah yeah. but um but it's not a requirement of them they just have to be passionate about why we exist to elevate women and children living in extreme poverty so um but yeah i mean it's it's a challenge to like have that balance make sure that you know that you're not bashful about yeah, who you are and what drives you, but also leave space for other people to be driven by other things. And, totally. um, and you know, one thing for Jeremy and I, like, we just hope that in our faith journey, like what people take out of it is love. Like yep. it, we, like we are all about a God of love and justice. And that's, that's the Jesus that we want people to see in us.
0: Yeah. Amazing. I was going to ask you, this is kind of like a business question, but um, only because I'm interested. How have you grown yourself uh, as the CEO organizationally? So when it goes from four employees to 12, from 12 mm-hmm. to 50, 50 to where you're at of 100. Um, yeah, basically, how have you expanded your mind and organizational understanding yeah. and leadership uh, like on this journey? And also the follow-up to that is what are you doing now preparing for Two hundred employees yeah. and and five offices and maybe offices not in the country. I don't, I don't know yeah. what your vision is, but yep.
1: yeah, um, it's been like a huge learning curve. Um, I love to read, so I've read a yep. lot of a lot of organizational health books, Lencioni and
0: yeah, yeah. others.
1: Um, you know, for a long time, the Global Leadership Summit was a great source of inspiration yep. and learning for me. Um, surrounding myself is by others in the community that have done things that you can ask questions of like, Hey, where'd you go wrong? What would be your advice to me? Like, um, a lot of prayer too. Like there's a lot of decisions every day that are hard. (laughs) Like it's a lot of choosing between two good things or being in a tough situation where you have to make a hard call and, um, praying for the peace and intuition to like guide you on that too. Um, for a long time, like I mentioned before, my role was sort of playing and wearing a lot of hats. So yeah. HR, finance, like yeah. it's a lot of Googling. It's a lot of calling on experts for like, yeah. how do you do this? What what would you advise? Yeah. Um, and now it's, we've gotten to the point where we're able to hire those experts. And so yeah. hire the people that have shared values and hearts yeah. and are experts in their field in finance yeah. or HR operations or whatever. You know, from the beginning, we had the experts in our work, you yeah. know, cr- Jason Strong is our ECD. Michael Murray, our accountant, you know, all that. But um, in those things that I was wearing hats, we've luckily been able to hire experts. And then you trust and you delegate and you empower them and you ask questions and you um, encourage them. And that's super fun. That's way more fun than doing it yourself. But now it's at that point where you're needing to strategize more vision cast. Like what do the next five years look like? What are the next 10? Where do we do we need a global office? Those are all things that now I'm wrestling with. And again, yep. just asking experts, um, collaborating with our leadership team, um, doing research, yep. reading best books, you know. But I think part of the beauty of starting the agency and part of why we were successful is that I didn't know better. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd never worked for another agency. Yep. So I wasn't trying to emulate something that I'd experienced. It was yep. really a blank slate. Um, and I think that was part of our secret sauce is that we didn't have to think outside the box because we didn't know what the box was, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, And
1: so we, like, we got to invent ourselves differently than tradition would have dictated.
0: Um, there's a lot of people that start things like F- founder's syndrome that they it ha- they have a tough time letting go of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you said it's it's easy to let go because these people are they're, now they're experts at what you do. Um, as you've as you've let go of things, how do you keep the culture? of the organization that you like, yeah, they've got the same heart and they're excited about what the company's about, but, the, uh, e- even organizational culture and how staff treat each other mm-hmm. and, and what it feels like to be in the office mm-hmm. as you let go of things and let go of kind of the control of it, even though you're still in charge, how have you kept the culture like strong?
1: Yeah. You have to hire really carefully. Um, I mean, you have to invest a lot in the hiring process and also, um, I'd say it, I love it when I'm able to promote or elevate people in the organization. So yep. there's been a few people that are in really key positions that didn't start off there, yep. but I recognize something in them that allowed yeah. them to grow really quickly too. Yep. Um, and then you ha- you can't just be like, all right, peace out. Like you're good. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's like being a teacher. It's like yeah. making sure that you give them enough. Um, along the way, that they're not left floundering, but that they are empowered, and yep. um, and then it's also like making sure that you're modeling what you want. You're yep. setting systems in place um, that tell people what we want to emulate. We have ten yep. um, employee attributes, S- that staff we, values, yeah, yep. that we just say like this is what you should embody if yep. you're going to be successful. Attitude like positivity, intellectual humility, curiosity. You know all these things yep. that. Um, that then we, we do our Intellectual reviews around
0: humility. That's so genius. Uh, yeah, That's awesome.
1: Right. So, um, it's a lot of intentionality of like, and then, then it's calling people out when, yeah. when they're not emulating that and not allowing cool it that you the have workplace. values
0: that you can point to. It's not yeah. like, Hey, I, j- I don't like the way that you, d-. it's like, no, we've got values on the wall. Like yeah. you didn't do makes that. makes
1: it super tangible. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. I was going to ask too, um, for like for you and Jeremy uh, starting something together, building something, scaling it out. Um, how how has it been uh, you being married and working <laughs> together? There's plenty of people that are like, I don't think I could ever work with my spouse, like because uh, we want to stay married. Um, and so, which is kind of weird. That's kind yeah, of like no. a negative statement about like oh, your no. marriage if you think that. But um, how has it been? Obviously, there's 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 I'm assuming challenges along the oh, way of that, but
1: endless like. It's been a gong show. I mean, if you if you would ask the people around us, they were probably like wondering if we were going to handle staying married and staying coworkers too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeremy and I are complete opposites yeah. in almost everything except for our love for Jesus. Like yeah. it is ridiculous that yeah. um, we go to a lot of marriage therapy, yep. a lot of counseling. Um, we we have, yeah, I mean, it's been super challenging. It's interesting as we've grown and, and we've been able to, have clearer lanes. It's been better. Yeah. Um. And this last year, like, has been super fun. Where, um, his so for a while when I had zero bandwidth, You're like smirking. <laughs> I know I'm laughing because there was like when I say I, I was drinking from the fire hose, I'm not exaggerating. Like life. Yeah, it's like I was time. struggling to keep my head above water yeah. for many years, like yep. the last nine. Yeah. And since I've been able to hire people, And you've been doing
0: this for ten years.
1: Right. And so in the last year, we've been able to hire people to take some off of my plate. And so I have a bandwidth, which then allows me to get excited about his ideas instead of like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't handle one more thing or expanding or this new office or that. I used to get really scared about all of his ideas. He is a visionary. He has a million ideas. Like he could start a new business every week. He's brilliant, but it, Scared the heck out of me because I was yeah. like, I can't do anything like I can't do more. Yeah. I'm dying here. Yeah. But now we we've figured out our roles. We figured out how to like I figured out how to listen and say, okay, that's cool. Without being like, he always goes, This is the wow, not how. Yeah, yeah. Just say stop wow. Stop trying to get stop the practice. Yeah, yeah. Stop figuring out how it's gonna come to fruition. Just say wow. And you know what? I might move on tomorrow and <laughs> yes. you don't even need to worry about it. Yes. But um, so I, I was fear based for a while, you know. Um, we have a scene where we talk a lot about scarcity mentality and abundance mentality. Yeah. And w- I was so tired that I was starting to get s- in scarcity, a scarcity mentality, yeah. and he's not in, in our resources, mentality. but yeah, he's always in yeah, abundance like, mentality.
0: We can, we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but it's good to recognize when you're in that place of like scarcity, cause that's not a good place to be. Yeah. Um, and that's not where God wants us, but, yeah, but yeah, awesome. being married and. Owning a business together is a really challenging thing.
0: You guys have done it. And also, you didn't say this, but in the last 10 years, you've given $6.5 million uh, all around the world in 26 different countries. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's been a uh, blast. And it's for women and children. Yeah, living um,
1: in extreme poverty.
0: Ex- yeah, so extreme yeah. poverty, those mm-hmm. are the ties. Yeah. Um, and six ha- six and $6.5 I mean, it's that's all God. just crazy. It's,
1: God is so good.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is what are the next. So uh, talking about like the growth of the organization, is there is there any vision that's like public vision of will you do a global office? Like are you like how do you expand? What do the next five years look like yeah. for the organization that you like the dream?
1: Yeah. So um, it's fun as we've you know, we started out as a print production company doing. Mostly just executional stuff that other yep. people were concepting. And then yep. we grew into a full creative agency: strategy, ideation, conception, um, design, all that. And so, as we continue to grow, um, the biggest thing that changes over the years is our capabilities. So yep. now we have 3D video, animation, yep. um, you know, content creation. A lot of technology is going. Our technology chops are definitely increasing and will yep. continue to over the next five years. So I'd say the biggest change will be in our capabilities yep. um, and hopefully our client base yep. along with that. Um, we have our New York and Portland offices that remain pretty small. So hopefully those will become more robust with more yep. staff um, so that they don't feel like a satellite office, but they feel yep. like a full service offering. What's, and, the,
0: what's the reason in having multiple locations uh, because everything like you can do, yeah. uh, Like you can do any work. Uh, There has to be some type of benefit.
1: Yep. So we have our our first um, big client was Foot Locker in New York, um, Foot Inc. And so our presence with them and serving them well meant that we stayed in New York. And so that made sense um, for us to continue in New York. And a lot of the retailers that we come to life in have headquarters or, um, you know, presences in New York. Yeah. Got it. And then our presence in Portland um, is directly off of our relationship with Adidas. Um, yep. We just believe in like presence and being being there for our clients and so making sure that we're...
0: So this is like, th- these contracts are not like project-based. They're like y- like you're on, what do they call it? A retainer. retainer. Um, yeah. um,
1: no, most of it's project by project, but it has grown to huge, huge relationships. That's There's crazy. other clients in Portland too, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, initially our main reason for being there was to serve adidas well
0: and then why minneapolis because there's no there's no major shoe company
1: yeah it's true actually um our client base in minneapolis is um very small but
0: but it's your biggest office
1: it's our yeah so we have you know 90 staff in minneapolis um we part a lot of our work gets produced in minneapolis with print shops here and so um being close is is um a great thing. There's also a ton of creative talent in Minneapolis. Um, so there's one of them. I know exactly. Thistle. Yeah. So it's just a hub of creativity. Um, you know, some founders in the past have done yeah. it, done our city great justice by putting a stake in the ground that we're going to be smart and yeah. in, in this creative field. So the staff is, is awesome. It's also home to us. So when yeah. we, we're going to start a business, it was like, where's grandma and grandpa? Cause we're not doing this alone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a variety of reasons, but it's worked really well.
0: Yeah, uh, back to the vision. Is yeah. there anything else of yeah just that you're looking forward to?
1: Well, some of our um, major clients do have global offices and um, are becoming more global, um, yeah. driven, globally driven, and so that's a conversation that we're having of yeah. do we put up a European office? Do we yeah. have a presence there in order to serve well? Um, so we'll see. You know, yeah. like there's a lot of LA clients that would possibly make it worthwhile to start an L.A. Yep. office, but we'll go wherever the opportunity the is. The yeah. the presence is needed. Yep. How often mm-hmm.
0: are you specifically in New York or Portland?
1: Um, you know, it just depends on the need. I used to be out there a lot more often, um, probably four times a year to each of them.
0: Oh, yeah, that's not too bad. No,
1: it's not. Jeremy, a lot more. He travels a whole lot more than I do. But.
0: He just likes it? Or, or uh, like, yeah, he's he, needed, like, yeah, he's, he's building he's, desks. I was yeah, joking, yeah. I him think I said <laughs> on a podcast. One time I was in Latitude, and he, like, had a tape measure out. He's like, come check this out. He's showing me all the, like, the grand scheme of it, the design of, like, this new desk that he was building. Yep. I was like aren't you the president of this company? Yeah. But he's just... We also yeah, load the
1: dishwasher it. or, you know, yeah. build desks, put together things. When also, the it ends. was
0: my... It was the first visit to any office that I was like... Because uh, he was like in the cafe. He's like, do you want anything? And it was like, uh, fridges full of Lacroix and Red Bull's. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> this is... Like, because you hear about Google, you know? But I was like, this is like Google. Oh, was that's like, awesome. Funny, so anyways, that's opening my eyes. Uh, thanks so much for being here. And thanks for, for sharing me. your story and like... It's so, it's incredibly inspiring to see all that you've done. And for myself and my wife, we want to do like, we have that same thing, I guess, maybe in me, like I'm more of the driver and the ideas Mm -hmm. and all this, and my wife's down for the ride for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But we want to do great things. For the kingdom of God, we want to do exactly what you ask us to do, but yeah, I appreciate it. I, yeah, but there's always like, there's always, and it's not that we're not completed in what we do, like, 100% we love what we do, um, and we know we're exactly where God has asked us to be. And we just, and I don't know if you know, we just the reason you had to drive to Apple Valley is because we used to pastor in Minneapolis, and four months ago, um, as we film this move to this campus and so we're in our, we're moving and all all that yeah. stuff, but we know where we're supposed to be, but there's something in us that's like we want to do great things for the kingdom, uh, like e- even more, like whatever that more is, we want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to see somebody, you know, phases ahead of us, you know, even, even with family, like your kids mm-hmm. are older than ours yeah. and you have more kids than we have, but <laughs> we'll, and we'll have more, but, um. Yeah, it's just so inspiring to see like you guys have done it, you know. And you and you may not feel that way, but yeah. it's just so awesome to see how you guys have built your life and also lifestyle design too. Like mm-hmm. you're living a big life in twenty nineteen. You can have three offices and you can do this and you can be a mom and you can like it's just so crazy, mm-hmm. uh like how you can live in two thousand nineteen. Um in today's day and age and you guys are doing it. So um yeah, I just appreciate you Thank being you. I'm just talking, no, but
1: <laughs> No, it's so fun, you know, one my daughter struggled with me not being a stay-at-home mom for a while yeah. and um, w- one of the challenges is just realizing that like whatever god's will is for our life is yeah. the best version of our life yeah. like it's not the easiest or whatever but it, that's yeah. where we will find joy and contentment yeah. and all that so like we are, our, our stories all look different but it's so fun to see every you know other people using their yeah. god-given gifts for his kingdom and for his purposes. And thank you for doing that. You're an inspiration yep. to us. Like, Thanks. It's awesome.
0: Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Two questions before we close out the podcast. What's your favorite book of all time?
1: Mm. Well, I should say the Bible. Yeah. Uh, right? You no. should say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my favorite book of all time. Wow, that's a hard one. You know, it's interesting. I I love to read historical fiction or nonfiction about World War II because I think it speaks to um, the fact that when we see ourselves as a means instead of an ends, there's yep. a power in that. Um, Bonhoeffer's book is amazing because he just realized like he could be it could be about him or it could be about him serving a bigger yep. cause. Yep. And so while it's a super long book, um, it's incredibly inspirational too to just remember, like, look at those who've gone before us, who've given everything, um, for their faith. And, um, so I, I guess I'd have to say that, like, I'm, I'm a better person when I'm inspired by people like him and their stories. So,
0: so yeah, it's called Bonhoeffer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So people you're saying stories, people that are living their lives for something bigger. Yeah, than not just, just themselves. yeah, not yeah. just trying
1: to be the happiest, richest, most successful person, but seeing themselves as yeah, yeah. just a part in a bigger story.
0: Do you ever think about this? I I said two questions, but this is another one. You ever think about like how it happened that you guys kind of changed your life, like and got like Jeremy getting to the point of like we're becoming the worst versions of ourselves. Like a lot of people get to that point when they're 60, right? you know, like, man, what did I just do with my life? But you guys got there when you were 30. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you ever think about that?
1: Like, Oh yeah. I'm grateful for it all the time. Right. Like, um, and it's interesting. We had, a, we had some people speaking into us too, but one of them was Jeff Gesick, founder of healing Haiti, Jeremy's yep. uncle who um, it's when he sold a business at the age of 50 that he went on his first trip to Haiti and and he always told us, like, I wish I would have gotten it when I was 30, like you. Yeah. Like, and I think he saw himself in Jeremy and was just like, don't waste the next 20, 30 years. Like, let God have the driver's seat now. And so I'm really grateful that God put people like that in our lives to challenge us to think, like, hey, you don't have to wait till you're retired or yeah. whatever to, to be about something bigger. Yeah. Do it now.
0: It's great. Uh, last question. Here it is, the final question is if you had one piece of advice to give to anybody listening in whatever stage of mm-hmm. life they're in uh, or what you want to answer as uh, what what's that one piece of advice
1: Yeah, let God lead. Like
0: And we'll wrap it yeah. up. <laughs> yes.
1: No, I've struggled with anxiety my whole yeah. life. Like I am a control freak. I love to have a plan and um and I would always like pat myself on the back for doing so, right? Like I was a responsible kid. I was a rule follower, all this, like, um, but really it's when I let go of all that and like just trusted him that um, the best things happen. And so like letting him lead, which sounds so cheesy and like weird. And I'm like the worst listener in the world. So for me, I have to pray all the time, like God, just make it obvious because... I'm not good at sitting still and being like, oh, and God spoke to me. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't hear his voice. It's all yep. feelings and um, really intangibles. But um, trying to let go of myself and let him.
0: Yeah, let him lead. Mm-hmm. That's great. You can find uh, Latitude at Lat.co, yes. right? Yeah. That's your website. Yeah. And also on social and all that. Um, can people find you? Yeah. On social?
1: Yeah. Krista, Krista Carroll. Cleary Carroll.
0: Krista Cleary, that's kind of a tongue twister. I know, right? Krista Cleary Carroll. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube or anywhere podcasts are found. To stay connected with what we're doing, you can also follow us on Instagram at exceptionpodcast and visit our website at exceptionpodcast.co. New episodes are releasing every Friday. If you know someone who is an exception to the rule and want us to share their story, you can let us know on our website. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. Until next time, remember, as a rule, be an exception to the rule. Peace.